Good to be with you. Go ahead and have a seat. Got a random question. Don't know if this is from God or not. Would anybody go with me to Peru? To go to Esperanza de Ana to serve the people there? I don't know. Anybody interested? To go serve. So they have a school there for kids that, you know, really need help. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. So that's where my mind's at all of a sudden. Maybe I'm going to Peru. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> All right, um, yeah. Okay, so we will have a discussion on the way home. <laughs> hey, God is always working. He's always moving. When we come together with his people, he speaks to us, right? And this is why this is such a powerful thing to come and do because God is here and he's on the move and he wants to see people helped and restored. And what we sang in the song, he wants to see revival come to places that we inhabit and that we don't inhabit. You know, I, my heart is very heavy today for the people that have lost their lives and loved ones in the earthquake. Mm. The number today that I saw before I came to church was 28,000 people killed. Mm. Like we can't even imagine the devastation, the horror of what these people are going through, right? And if there's any way you can give to help financially, please do. World Vision is the organization that I would recommend that I would give money to. So if you can give, give. Give till it hurts and then give more. We want to be the church as a whole that we're on the right side of history. So when people look back at this devastation, they will see that the church out of all the organizations in the world was the organization that stood up and did the most. Right? I think about how Christianity spread in the Roman Empire. One way it spread, like rap, you know, so like wildfire through the Roman Empire. A part of that was because of how Christians, those who claimed Christ, cared for people during horrible plagues in history. Right? You might be watching the Super Bowl today. There's going to be ads called "He Gets Us." There, there's this whole campaign that is looking to. Um, you know, this image of Jesus that most Americans have has been so distorted. And so there's this He Gets Me campaign. I think it's Christianity Today and Barna and some other organizations are going to be running commercials during Super Bowl to try and reshape how Americans think of Jesus. Because many people have rejected a fake Jesus, not the real Jesus. You see, many people have rejected a misconception of Jesus. And if I were them, I'd reject that too. People here in our country need to see who the real Jesus is. And so they're working hard to combat that, right? Um, look, we're going to talk about kings. We're going to talk about uh, who King Jesus is today. Why he is the king of kings. And in order to do that, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 8, verses 1 through 22. In our sermon series, we want you to be grounded and rooted in King Jesus. So that when you go into your places of work, 
when you go into your family engagements, when you go and do the sporting activities with your kids, that you are light and salt uh, to people that you're, you are encountering that desperately need King Jesus in their life. Because he is, as we will see, the King of Kings. Let me, let me uh, read to you. If we're, and if we're going to be grounded and rooted, we've got to learn from history, especially the history of God's people. So 1 Samuel 8, verse 1, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba, but his sons did not follow his ways. Sorry, that French toast <laughs> was so good. I think I could eat French toast every day of my life. We were watching Nate Bergatsky last night. Any Nate Bergatsky fans? Yes. Brenda Curzon, you're a Nate Bergatsky fan? Who would have known? I've seen him all on YouTube. Oh my goodness, the guy is hilarious. He talked about when you eat pancakes over 40, like you go comatose, like for the next eight hours, right? It's so true. But because you love pancakes so much, you don't blame them. On, you blame it on the pancakes. Oh, you know something. I must have a you know a virus or something. You know, you're not gonna stop eating the pancakes. That's how I when I saw French toast this morning, it was like laser beam. Give me some of that. All right, enough squirrel moments. Hopefully for our time today. So. But his sons did not follow his ways. This is Samuel's sons. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. How about that? That's kind of funny. And your sons do not follow your ways. Not funny. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. Isn't that cool? That, that was his knee-jerk reaction. And the Lord told him, listen to all that, all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and, he, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with the king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. 
The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. All right, so first point here is every life has a king. Every life has a king. Every one of them. Um, Samuel's sons, they, their king was wealth. Um, they wanted a higher income level, and so they were willing, we find out in the first couple of verses, to pervert justice so that they could increase their bank account, right? Their king was wealth. They thought they could be happier and more secure with more money. The elders of Israel, their king was a human king. They longed, they were craving a human king, right? And so they thought that this king would provide them with the security that they needed, that this king would fight their battles, go before them, right? They're, they're looking to find security in a human king. This passage teaches us that every single person has a human, or not a human king, a king in their life. It could be a human, it could be something else, okay? Now, the novelist David Foster Wallace, this is what he said. He said, in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as atheism. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. Why did this novelist say this? Because he knew, unfortunately, he killed himself, suicide. He knew that every life had a king. Everyone did. Everyone is putting their faith in something or someone to save them. Everyone is putting their trust in something or someone to save them from a humdrum life and to fulfill them. Everyone is looking to something for the joy and the peace and the contentment and the love and the significance that their heart really craves. There are no practical atheists. There aren't. Everyone has faith. The question is not, do you have faith, but what is your faith in? What is your faith in? When I was in the process of writing this sermon, I came across this article in Sports Illustrated. It's titled, Monday Night Football Was Her Dream Job. What she founded was loneliness, depression, and devastation. Anybody read the article by chance? No? Did you read it? I, I saw it and started into it, but I, I didn't quite get finished. Okay. Interesting. Nobody read it in the first service. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I think that's so interesting. I think that's cool. All right, here we go. So this article was about this lady named Lisa Guerrero, was her name. In 2003, you know, it's a football Sunday, right? She became uh, the sideline reporter for Monday Night Football. Coveted job. Um, she was considered at the time like the luckiest woman in sports. It was her dream job. And what I could tell from the article is that this job really took on king status in her life. This good thing really started to become a God thing for Lisa Guerrero, right? More on her in a bit. Here's what I want to ask you right now. So let's pause. Let's reflect with some questions. Who or what is the king of your life? Everybody has one. What king are you trusting to save you, to give you real abundant life? What do you believe you must have to be happy and secure? So take a minute, reflect on these questions. So the passage tells us that every life has a king. The passage also tells us that kings, earthly kings, will take from you. 
Did you notice what Samuel said about the human king that the Israelites would receive, what he would do to the Israelites, to the elders of Israel? What was the theme? Take, 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 take. It's repeated in our passage, is it not? What would the human king take from the elders of Israel? Their sons, their daughters, their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, tenth of their grain, their male and female servants, the best of their cattle and donkeys, right? A tenth of their flocks. Earthly kings always take from their subjects. Always. Look what's happening in Russia. You have a dictator taking and taking and taking. This stuff is so relevant because this stuff happens today. The Bible is alive. It's living, right? Earthly kings always take from their subjects. They take your time and your money. They take your thought life. They'll take your energy. They'll take your attention. They'll They'll hijack your emotional life. Guerrero, to go back to her, her whole life was organized around being this sideline reporter for Monday Night Football. Her life became about proving her critics wrong. She's a really attractive woman. And so um, what they said is, uh, what she said is that, you know, she was trying to prove the critics that she just wasn't, uh, you know, a physically attractive female, that she actually had brains to go with her appearance. And so she really was driven to prove all those who thought otherwise wrong. Um, She knew that her her sideline reporting would be scrutinized. Everything from her facial expressions to her makeup to the clothes she wore. And so it consumed her preparing for Monday Night Football. That's what kings require. They take everything from you. They require all of you. How do you know what king you're serving? Well, let me ask you another set of questions. Where does your money go? Where does your money go? What do you spend your money on? How do you spend your time? In fact, these two questions, you want to know what what king you're serving? Look at your bank account, look at your calendar. Those are probably two of the best questions you can ask yourself to give you an idea of who you're really worshiping. What do you think about most? When your mind can, and maybe, well, this will tell you something. When your mind can be at rest, and if you're like, my mind's never at rest, that will tell you something right there. Why is your mind never at rest? Probably because there's a king that you are serving that is not Jesus. But let's say your mind gets to rest, and you're able to daydream. What are you daydreaming about? What are you daydreaming about? If you read, what do you read about? I mean, I am hooked on alien romance novels, but I don't know if anybody else is. I don't know if it's a king in my life, but. I got a life, I got a, you here for the curse of life? Was I kind of like Nate Bergaski right there? I was, I was, all right. We're gonna get together and watch Nate Bergaski together. And can we have, what are those? Whoa, that was powerful. The drinks you made for your grandkids. What were they? Butterbeer. Butterbeer. It was, was it from like the Lord of the Rings or something? Harry Potter. Harry Potter, sorry. Um, sorry to insult you Harry Potter fans. Dang, came back at me. Harry Potter. 
That's what we're going to do. Get it on the calendar. We haven't finished watching Nate Bergatsky's latest special, so we, we need to finish it. What If you listen to podcasts, what do you listen to? What are you listening to? What do you get angry over the most? Other than when somebody calls you Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. What do you get angry about? All right, here we go. Third thing, earthly kings will control you. So not only will they take from you, they will absolutely control you because they will determine exactly what they take, how often they take it, uh, to the extent that they take it. Notice that the elders of Israel give their sons in a, in a very specific way um, controlled by the king. Some of their sons would serve uh, the king's chariots and horses and run in front of them. Some of them would be assigned commanders. Some of them would plow the king's ground and reap his harvest, while others would make weapons for the king's equipment. The king would take some of their daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. The king would take the best of their fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He would take a tenth of their grain, give it to his officials. You see, through this passage, the king is in total control, right? Earthly kings don't take from you and then ask you, hey, how do you want me to use what I just took from you? No, they're in total control. They determine all of that. Like Guerrero, if your career is your king or anything else in your life is, a, is your king, it will absolutely control you. It'll tell you how much time at the office you need to spend, how much time on your phone you need to spend. It'll tell you that you know, if career is your, your king, you can't take vacation. Or if you do take vacation, you're going to work on your vacation. It'll tell you that you can't tell, tell your boss no. You can't tell your clients no. You're going to have to miss your kids' activities, right? It'll tell you that you must over-prepare over for presentations. You must miss church. You, must eat, you, you mustn't eat well and exercise because you don't have time because you need to be on your computer working. This is what kings do. So here's a, here's a question, and you, you can substitute career for anything else, right? If you have to have a certain appearance, it will control you. It'll tell you what you can eat, when you can eat it, how you need to sleep. It'll tell you what fitness gear you need to buy, how you got to structure your time, what cosmetics and supplements and gym memberships you got to buy. It will control you. Here's the question. What controls you? What controls you? Who or what do you have a hard time telling no to? <laughs> Whose voice is loudest in your head? And why is it the case? So think about those. By the way, this is why you should be in a life group. Because you need to process these questions in community. Not enough time here on a Sunday morning to really process through these things. You need community outside of Sunday morning if you're going to grow to be like Jesus. You need it. All right. Number four. Earthly kings will not forgive you when you fail. <laughs> they won't. You, don't, you know, the elders of Israel, once that human king came into existence, if they rebelled against that king, get, well, what would happen? That king would take care of them if they messed up, if, if they disobeyed. All earthly kings punish you when you fail. Think about Guerrero. When she was, you know, sideline reporting, 
um, the, first, the season opener of Monday Night Football, she mixed up the names of two players. And even though she corrected herself on air quickly, her boss just reamed her out. And she received all kinds of backlash from the media, which is not surprising. Like, if you make a mistake, right? And this was back at the beginning of, you know, the 2000s. The chastisement she received was tremendous. She started having recurring nightmares. Here's her in her own words. Worst of all, in the dreams, I couldn't remember anything about the team. So she's on the field now reporting in her dream. And one dream she was naked, another dream it was something else. But here, her mind's going blank when she's supposed to be reporting. This is what she's dreaming. I didn't even know who was playing. Al, Al Michaels threw to me. You know, it's her time to talk now. I couldn't speak. Night after night, I'd jump in bed, drenched in sweat, my heart hammering. I'd feel a pang of relief when I realized they were just bad dreams. But the relief would quickly be replaced by despair when I remembered why I was having such nightmares. Then I'd cry. I was so ashamed and humiliated by the mistake I made during that first game that I really thought I deserved the criticism and abuse hurled at me. I couldn't let the negative press just roll off of me. Instead, I absorbed each con comment and allowed them to define me. They were all I thought about. The echo, they echoed in my head during the day and kept me up all night. There's no forgiveness there. If, if, if success in your career is your king, and if, if it's what you believe you need to feel happy and secure, and if you fail in your career, it's not going to forgive you. And you're not going to be able to forgive yourself because you messed up the one thing you thought was actually going to bring you joy and contentment. If your king is your physical appearance and you get fat, you're not going to be able to forgive yourself. And it won't forgive you either because you messed up the one thing that you thought was going to fulfill you. If your king is marriage and you think you have to have that in order to be happy and secure and you don't get married, you're not going to be able to forgive yourself because it's the one thing you thought would complete you and you messed it up. If you know your king won't forgive you, if you don't measure up and you won't be able to forgive yourself, then anything that threatens your career, your good looks, or anything else that you make your king will make you deeply afraid. If anything attempt, you know, attempts to block you from a great career, you will become extremely angry. You're going to be envious of others who excel more than you. You're going to struggle to receive criticism in your job. It's, it's, it's a mess. Here's a question. Which of your mistakes or sins do you have the hardest time forgiving yourself for? Which of your mistakes or sins do you have the hardest time forgiving yourself for? Number five. Earthly kings will not fulfill you when you succeed. <clears throat> This is the horrible bondage that earthly kings put you in, right? So this is what happens. Earthly kings promote, have me as your king, I will fulfill you, right? You work so hard, so hard, so hard, and let's, let's say you achieve 
uh, whatever success you think you need, your king is telling you you need to be fulfilled, you achieve it, and then you're still not happy. Then what do you do? Guerrero, so this is, well, let's, Samuel told the Israelites, the elders of Israel, you're going to eventually cry out. You're going to get this king that you crave, and then it's not going to fulfill you, and then you're going to cry out. You're going to cry out. This is always the destination for any earthly king. It, lead, it brings us to the point where we're, we are crying out because it didn't satisfy like it promised it would. Guerrero discovered that the earthly king of having this coveted job did not fulfill. This is what she stated in the article. I wasn't Lisa Guerrero for that entire season. I didn't look like myself. I didn't sound like myself. I was utterly lost. Meanwhile, my friends and my dad were incredibly proud of me. Everyone I knew was thrilled for me, and I didn't want to destroy the illusion. I usually told my dad everything, but I didn't want him to know about the dark place I was in. Here's Guerrero. She got what that coveted job, her dream job. It's inwardly, she's like experiencing just despair. And yet, everybody around her thinks that she should be so happy. So what do you do when you're in that spot? When you get what you always thought would make you happy, it doesn't make you happy, what do you start to think? There must be something wrong with me. That's what you start to think. Because everybody else is telling you you should be so happy, and you're not. So there must be something wrong with me, which just compounds the suffering. Now, this happens to people all the time when they serve earthly kings. They end up crying out, and they end up wondering, what is wrong with me? Um, I am constantly reading stories of famous people like Guerrero. You know why I do it? I've read about Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Chris Farley, Bill Gates, The Beatles, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Junior Seau, Madonna, and the list goes on. The reason I do it, it is like a spiritual discipline for me. Because when I read these stories of extremely wealthy, famous, powerful, successful people who are empty on the inside, it's a reminder to my own heart that no amount of fame, wealth, achievement, or pleasure seeking will satisfy my heart. That's why I'm always reading these stories. I know that my heart is not immune to start subtly believing that success or whatever else will satisfy my heart. I'm not immune to that. And so these stories help me. As amazing as Mary is, she can't satisfy my heart. And if I count on her to do that, I will crush her in the process. As amazing as my boys are, can't satisfy my heart. If I trust them and put my faith in them to do it, I will crush them. Because I'll put a burden on them that they're not capable of bearing. Be the worst thing I could do for them. No amount of success as a pastor is going to satisfy my heart. No amount of success in the leadership coaching and consulting I do is going to satisfy my heart. We toy around with putting an addition onto our house. Who knows what God wants? I don't know. I'm thinking this morning he might want, might want me to go to Peru. What do I know? 
But here's what I do know. If we build that addition, it's not going to satisfy my heart. It won't. It's not going to increase my happiness. So there better be some motiva other motivations for doing it if we're going to spend a whole bunch of money doing it. Who or what has disappointed you the most? Who or what has disappointed you the most? Often with our great life disappointments, there's, there's a king that's not Jesus lurking somewhere there. Not always, but sometimes. Last thing I'll say, then I'll be done. Jesus is the only king that can give you deep soul satisfaction. Is it because Jesus doesn't take from you? Is it because he doesn't control you? No, he does both. He takes everything from you and he controls you. <coughs> if Jesus is going to be your sovereign, you can't be. If Jesus is going to be in control, you can't be in control. But that's where the similarities with Jesus and earthly kings, that's where they stop. I want to point out to you two of the main reasons why Jesus can give you deep soul satisfaction when he is your king. The first is this, King Jesus will forgive you when you fail to live for him. He'll forgive you. No earthly king is going to forgive you. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus won't bash you for your failure. Jesus, um, he'll lovingly correct you. He'll lovingly lovingly call your action what it is if it's sin he'll call it sin but he's not going to attack he's not going to berate berate he's not going to belittle condemn cast you out or in, you know to enter, injure you and hurt you absolutely not and you say why and i say because if you're in christ through faith you no longer deserve that why don't you deserve it of course this is why because Jesus was condemned and he was cast out so that you could be brought into his family so that your sin could be forgiven. So you could have him as your king so that he could satisfy your soul. Jesus, he did that. This is an interesting thing to think, but it's so true. I read this here a week or two ago. If you're in Christ through faith, it would be unjust for God to punish you. It'd be unjust. Why? Because Jesus already paid the punishment. And so for him to punish you, he would be requiring a double payment. It's not just. It's not just. That's why there's no condemned condemnation in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's amazing. Other thing here. So no other king will forgive you like Jesus, like King Jesus. King Jesus can give you real peace and joy that the world can't take from you. And there is such a deep contentment and satisfaction with, that comes with knowing that you're accepted and you're loved and you're empowered and you're accompanied by the most powerful, wise, joyful, loving being, eternal being of the universe. There is there is contentment, there is security in that. There's a confidence that comes when there's this intimacy with the King of Kings. There's a real security that comes into your life. There's a satisfaction. There's a healthy detachment from the world's goods, which allows you to actually be able to enjoy them properly. Look, if you've got the treasure of treasures, King Jesus, what else do you need? And if... Other things come your way, great. If they don't, they don't. You got the treasure of treasures. Right? 
And so you can hold things loosely. And if they come to you, you're not like clinging on to them as like, I got to have this to be okay because you've got the treasure of treasures. You, there's an unshakable life that's found in King Jesus. Unshakable. That when all the circumstances around you are shaking, your soul is rooted and grounded on the rock of Christ and it's powerful. Do you know Jesus like this? Is he your treasure of treasures? Look, I pray that Guerrero has come to know Jesus. If not, her life will never be right. And what she'll end up doing is trading this this lesser king of trying to be the sideline reporter for another lesser king. And she's just going to go into that spiral and that cycle again where maybe if she does, she doesn't achieve success in whatever that is. And then she can't forgive herself because that's the thing. Or she does achieve success and it doesn't fulfill her. And then then there's something wrong with her. It's nasty. It's bondage. Christ can set us free. Unless you drink the living water that pours from the well of King Jesus, you will drink from the well of lesser kings and still walk away thirsty and unrefreshed. That's why Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, 13 and 14, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Is this living water in you? Is it bubbling over? Is it splashing out to the people around you? Let me ask you this question. How satisfied is your soul in King Jesus? How satisfied is your soul in King Jesus? Pray with me. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are not like other earthly kings. That you don't uh, take from us to exploit us. But that you say, give me your life. Lose your life to me. So that you might find life. And find it abundantly. You're a king that made himself poor in order to make us rich. No other king does that. You are a king that uh, entered our darkness, took on the punishment we deserved. You were treated as our sins deserved so that we could be treated as your perfect righteousness deserves. It's remarkable. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Lord, I pray Uh, That if there's any person here that has not surrendered their life to you, it doesn't have the living water bubbling up inside of them, satisfying and quenching their thirsty soul. I pray that they would turn their life to you today, that they just cry out to you and say, Jesus, come in. I don't even know what it means to follow you exactly, but my life is yours. I am thirsty. Every place I've turned, it's been a mirage in the desert. It doesn't satisfy. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being thirsty. Jesus, come live in me. Fuel me, empower me, direct me. You are in control. 
I am not. And for those of us that have made that decision, and maybe some of our hearts are, have wandered and have been caught up in things that are, are being king substitutes for us, Lord, I pray that with your mercy and your grace and your tender touch that you would redirect us, set our feet back on the narrow way that we need to walk, empower us to do it, so that the living water spreads into other people in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.